Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C., joined this week by both my co-host, Cam, and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, as we are here to preview WWE Extreme Rules taking place this Saturday. That's right. Yep, don't forget, it's a Saturday pay-per-view taking place. Uh, so we are here to preview the six matches on that show. All six matches all have a various stipulation to it. So that's the first time I think that's happened in an Extreme Rules pay-per-view in forever. So that'll be fun to look forward to, and all of them look like they could be good. So we'll break down that card, preview it, and give our thoughts and predictions. But we're going to start this week with all the backstage drama going on with AEW. And, you know, it just seems like it's another week and there's more backstage drama uh, going on. Starting with, of course, the stuff going on with Andrade and Sammy Guevara. Uh, earlier this week, Andrade did a uh, interview. I don't even remember what the website was. I think it was a like a blog almost. He did an interview where he brought up... Uh, you know, his stuff with AEW and how he has doesn't really get to see Charlotte and uh, talking about, you know, his time at AEW and said he's only really ever had a problem with one person and then mentioned Sammy Guevara and how Sammy Guevara was apparently complaining about how Andrade was too stiff with him in the ring at one point, which led to Sammy Guevara calling out Andrade on Twitter and Andrade coming back at him. And then apparently both of them were warned to not do anything when they showed up to Dynamite this past Wednesday. Well, according to reports, uh, from Dave Meltzer and SRS this was that you know something did happen of course and apparently Andrade walked up and if you believe the majority of the, the majority of the reporting I've seen is Andrade walked up to the uh, Sammy Guevara and basically just punched him a couple times uh, there's been some reports that Sammy mouthed off to Andrade uh, beforehand and maybe that's what led to it but Andrade was sent home and as obviously as you, watch, you watched Dynamite last night Sammy was not sent home and he was in the main event and actually got the pinfall win in this tag team match. So it's just another day, another week of AEW drama. Of course, the reports are Andrade wants to go back to AEW. Obviously, his wife Charlotte is there. He's not being used that much in AEW. And it's one of those things where I understand Tony Khan doesn't want to set a precedent for letting guys go that are in their contracts. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you're not using Andrade to the best of his ability. You signed him from when he was released from WWE. So it's not like he's a homemade star. This guy was made in Mexico, made in the United States by the WWE, and then came over to sign with you. So it's not like you're letting a homegrown star. And don't you have 90-day no-competes built into these contracts? I don't know what don't really know what an AEW contract entails, but I don't understand why if you have somebody that's frustrated, as frustrated as Andrade, you're not using him at all. It seems like you've kind of ship and sailed with him even before all this stuff going on. Just release him and have him sign something where he can't go right to WWE for 90 days or whatever. It's normally the standard WWE no competes is 90 days. And it's just another day of drama where Tony Khan can't control his locker room. And I made a comparison to somebody else the other day, for those of you that are Saved by the Bell fans out there, that Tony Khan is essentially Rod Belding, where he's supposed to be Mr. Belding and be nice to the people that he's like in charge of, but also be strict when he needs to. But Rod Belding just wants to be the hip, cool uh, version of that Belding and doesn't exactly really care about uh you know rules or anything just wants to be the cool guy um so i'll throw it over to you chairman first what were your thoughts when you saw that all this coming out over the last couple days you seriously just made a rod belling reference in 2022 i did hey yes anytime <laughs> i can make it i'm surprised i've never made more saved by the bell references on the show oh my gosh that <laughs> is wild um sammy gravara just is coming off like a complete d-bag uh let's go back you know, when he had an issue with Eddie Kingston not too long ago and their match at all out was moved to rampage grand slam. 
So obviously lots of eyes taken off of that match because not many people want to stay up on a Friday night and watch Rampage. Sorry. So is it more of a Sammy problem than it is everybody else right now? It seems to be that way. Now we have had two incidents now in the last couple of months. Um, I think it was really tacky to let him perform still, let alone get the pin on Daniel Garcia, of all people, the guy that's up and coming. Like, if you want to have the win and you want Jericho to get the pin, that would have been fine. But letting Sammy get that moment at the end of the show after all the shit going on. And the crowd was freaking livid, too. Like, the crowd was booing him. There was an F.U. Sammy chant going on. He, the crowd the crowd is done with this guy. Tony Khan is not going to win Booker of the Year this year. Tony Khan will be lucky to have a wrestling promotion by the end of 2023, the way things are going. Don't be surprised if Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and their contract expires leave. Like, this place is a ultimate cesspool right now. Malachi Black, we don't know. I don't want to indulge, but that, that locker room is not healthy for someone that's going through you know, mental health problems. And, I mean, there's probably a lot of other AEW talents. I, I mean, I think Miro's had some issues where he don't want to be around no more. Like, I, I, I don't know what T, Tony Khan's deal is. Like, you signed all these people with Daddy's Checkbook, and you don't have enough TV time to use them all. And these Ring of Honor titles, I'm going off topic, I'm sorry, but stop with the Ring of Honor titles, dude. You are AE fucking W, not Ring of Honor. Separate them. And people want to start chiming in at me about, oh, what else are you supposed to do with the Ring of Honor titles? Put them in the fucking basement because you don't have a freaking Ring of Honor show right now. I don't need 14 fucking titles running around. I dissed WWE when they had a load of titles running around. I'm going to criticize AEW too. You guys just are out of control right now. Your whole promotion's a shit show. I'm disappointed of all of it. Um, we're not at the end of the year yet, but failure of the year goes to AEW. Sammy Guevara should be suspended. Um, Andrade, just let him go. Just let him go back to WWE. That's what he wants. Just cut ties. Be done with him. Let him go back. He'll be better off for everybody. It, it, it's terrible right now. There, like Dynamite is unwatchable at this point. Yeah, and don't forget, too, Sammy Guevara had that incident with Impact where I think AEW is going to send him to Impact when they were working with them, and he apparently threw a fit, I think. I don't remember the whole story, but he threw a fit about jobbing and something happened, and I don't think he ended up going to Impact. But, yeah, it's like if the story played out like it's being reported and Andrade kind of just walk up to him and punch him in the face, I'm not going to defend that. But at the same time, there's a common denominator here, and it's Sammy Guevara, like Sharon said, with the Eddie Kingston incident, with this incident, with the impact stuff. I mean, the guy hasn't, the guy, they tried getting the guy over on his own, and then he it flopped so badly, and then they had to go ahead and put him back with Jericho. And, of course, you know, the whole Ty Conti relationship didn't do him any favors where he proposed to his girlfriend on TV, and then within months is dating Ty Conti, so it's like... And there's, you know, you see stuff from people on Twitter from independent wrestlers saying he's a douche. It's tough for him to work with. It's, there's, there's definitely a common denominator when it comes to all of this. And yeah, it is Sammy Guevara. Like you said, him getting the pin over Daniel Garcia this past Wednesday on Dynamite just was not a good look. Regardless of whether or not, even if that whole stuff wouldn't have gone down, Sammy pinning him just doesn't sit right with me. Uh, what are your thoughts, Cam? So if Tony Khan's Ron building, does that mean that William Regal is Mr. Belding and Moxley is Zach Morris and AC Slater is Daniel or Brian Danielson. Um, oh man, Moxley doesn't fit too much as Zach Morris, but I could definitely see William Regal being Mr. Belding. Uh, yeah, and then you got Ron well, Belding. Will Yuta. 
he's definitely this creature of the faction. He's a dork. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. That would probably make what? Um Anna J Kelly and then who would be the smart one? I guess Dr. Britt Baker would be Jesse probably cuz she's kind of like yeah. the smart one of the group. And then whoever's fashionable could be Lisa. I don't know. There we go. Now yeah. we're booking. Now we need to find out who's the guy that owns the owns the Max. Is that like uh, you know, is that uh like on or I don't know. So you have to figure one of the managers that never gets any TV time. Negative <laughs> one. The yeah. guy that owns the Max. <laughs> um, I mean, I sort of met Sammy Guevara one time at PWG show, one of the last few shows I went to, and he came across as like a complete asshole. And like every indie wrestler that's trying to make it is usually the nicest guy in the world because they want you to like them. They want you to buy a T-shirt. He came off as a complete dick. Um, get rid of him. I'm surprised he won a television match. This guy has no – he brings nothing to AEW. He doesn't move the needle, and these weird people that look at 15-minute segment of TV ratings have nothing better to do with their lives. Um, hopefully probably can tell you that he doesn't move the needle. He doesn't really bring anything. Like J- Justin said, you know, he – they tried to do the Spanish God thing, and you know it didn't. It didn't work. I mean, maybe at the beginning when he had the cue card thing, that was that was okay. It was kind of funny sometimes. They'd come up with some funny jokes or whatever, little tongue-in-cheek things um, for him to write about. But ever since then, it it's not good. The stuff with Jericho hasn't been good. They tried to build him back up through that. It didn't really work. I mean, at this point, you got to get rid of that guy, right? He's worth more than. Andrade and Eddie Kingston, all these guys that bring value to your company, you have to get rid of the guy that's bringing morale down. And he's not a world champion. He's not Kenny Omega. He's not, you know, he's not a top, top guy in this company where you're like, okay, we kind of have to deal with his bullshit. Look at CM Punk. We're, we still have no idea what's going on. I mean, CM Punk has done more for wrestling with his left hand than Sammy Guevara will ever do in his entire career. Um, so, I mean, cut the fat, man, get rid of it. I mean, especially when these guys are going at it on Twitter and I don't even believe anymore that any of this stuff's a work shoot and every, you know, I see some people saying like, you know, they, this is AEW's like, this is their M this is their MO is that they, they turn stuff into a work shoot, you know, MJF stuff, you know, people on Twitter complaining and back and forth and gets wrestling fans talking. Is this real? Is it fake? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, Andrade looks like a guy that wants out. He was in a fucking stable with like 19 people. One of those guys was Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy was the leader of a stable of like literally like 20 guys. And it went nowhere. Andrade gets no TV time. Miro gets no TV time. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these guys jump ship. And maybe WWE can start cutting the fat with some of their guys that we're kind of getting tired of seeing and bring over some of these these, – bring these guys back over. Bring over Miro. Bring over Andrade here in the not so distant future. And I mean, I just don't think these guys were never meant to go there. Uh, Tony Khan probably promised them main event status and gave them more money that Vince would normally give them because of value. And I mean, he's a Trevor Lawrence um, elbow away from being a one in 16 team again. So, yeah, I mean, even last week I had to criticize him because his his guys at Fulham, one of the guys, six minutes in playing, I'm, I'm a Newcastle fan playing Newcastle, 
dangerous slide, red card, and they were down to 10 men for 85 minutes of that game. He doesn't even have doesn't even have control of Fulham either over there. So who knows what the Jaguars are going to do next? That's the next shoe to drop. Um, but yeah, I saw that there were reports that you know there's probably like you know there was like three or four or three or five. I don't remember what the number was. Something was one of those numbers though. That one of those guys they were um, you know causing problems in the locker room because they wanted to leave and go back, and then you know. If it's only that many guys, it's like, what's the big deal? Like you said, it's it's okay. So you figure we, we figure one of them's, you know, Malachi Black. We obviously figure one of them's Andrade. I guess you can probably figure one of them's Buddy Matthews. And then that leaves like, I mean, who knows what Miro, I know he was on an acting gig. He was on the debut. He was the villain on the debut show of some cop show on CBS I saw this past week. Um, so he was gone from there, but again, he's not being used at all. I mean, is it FTR? I mean, look at, look at what we were talking about earlier this year with FTR. We were talking about them being like the top tag team. And I was making arguments for them that if you could be wrestler of the year as a tag team, I would vote for FTR. And over these last few months, they've been barely non-existent. They're in multi-man matches. They're for some reason, not getting a shot at the AEW tag team titles. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're Ring of Honor champions, they're AAA champions, they're in, uh, New Japan heavyweight champions, I think, still. And for some reason, these guys are being thrown together with Wardlow, who, again, is another guy that's not getting featured at all. He's on TNT champion, and Tony Khan always talks about making that belt such a big deal. And here we are, and it's not getting any defenses on any TV, any pay-per-views, uh, nothing at all. And it's just kind of ridiculous. It's like... You know, people kind of criticize, we're like, why the hell is Cody leaving? Oh, it's a good thing Cody's leaving. He wasn't fitting in on TV anymore. And I think we all made the point when Cody left that I guarantee you it's going to have a bigger impact backstage than it would um, on TV. We all kind of agreed that Cody, the character, kind of was starting to run its course, but we were like, uh, Cody backstage, you know, he was kind of one of the guys, I think the level-headed guys, one of the guys that could actually come off as an executive heading this. Can you imagine how many fires Cody probably put out that we didn't hear about backstage, you know, before all of this and all this stuff going on now? Um, but it's just not good, and it's not a guy you want. You know, Tony Khan has shown no ability to um, to control his locker room. I saw he, I saw a little bit of the Ariel Hawani interview he did today, and there was released this week, and he was pressed on the MJF stuff, and he wouldn't answer it. And it's like it's because somebody who's an actual journalist, Ariel Hawani, is pressing them on these real questions, these real topics, not like where they were doing those media, you know, quote unquote media scrums after pay per views, and nobody would ask M or Tony about MJF, or you would say I don't want to talk about it. When a real journalist would like Ariel Hawani would press him on it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if it's these guys that are discontent, it's like, just let them go. You have so many people in that locker room that I understand you don't want to set a precedent, but at the same time, you know, Eric, hey, Eric Bischoff, when he was in charge of WCW during the Monday Night War, said it said, anybody that wants their release and have it. And Raven walked right up to him, said yes. And Eric Bischoff gave him his release. Now that's a whole different time period, but at the same time, it's like, just let these guys go. Uh, do you have any thoughts, Chairman, on who some of these guys might be? I know I kind of rattled off a few names there. I think you rattled off the majority of them for sure. I mean, pretty much like anybody that left WWE during the old regime, came over thinking the water might be better, the grass is greener, and then kind of was like, yeah, it kind of smells like shit, and might want to go back because obviously there's a new regime in WWE now, and obviously 
Triple H has done fantastic work since taking over the mantle. So some of these guys, and I mean, there might be some other lesser guys that you don't see on Dynamite or Rampage that we don't really talk about on this podcast because, you know, they got brought in, they wrestle on the YouTube shows, you know, Dark and Dark Elevation, and, you know, they thought there were any big opportunities that kind of get fizzled out. So, I mean, we could sit here all night and talk about who might want to leave if we had the time, but we don't. So we'll just end with what you pretty much already said. I think you nailed enough worthy candidates that probably went out. Yeah, what do you think, Kim? Anything else to add to this topic? Um, I mean, I don't know. I just there's too many leaks. Like who who's doing all this talking? I mean, they have quote locker room leaders. You got freaking Jericho, you got Brian, you got Moxley, you got guys that have been in the business for twenty, thirty years, you got Kenny Omega. You have these guys where this stuff should be squashed undertaker and yokozuna umaga style you know like in the back like maybe a few things leak here and there but like you said justin there's it's probably countless things that we don't even know about you know they're never really heard much about the bobby fish cm punk stuff like there's a lot of guys that you know aren't meshing well and i think it just has a lot to do with the booking honestly i think that if you give your employees a false sense of what to expect you're gonna have angry employees like if i got a new job and my boss was like yeah you're gonna be you know in charge of all this stuff and we're paying you out the ass and it's gonna be real cool and then two months into it yeah you're getting paid but you're not doing anything you want to do you hate it you're barely used people are gonna start getting mad they're gonna start talking you know these are all professional wrestlers professional wrestlers along with comedians have to be one of the most egotistical people in the world like your entire career is based upon you and what you can bring to the table and how well you can perform to make money. So these guys all have egos if they don't want to say it or not. But yeah, I mean, I just, it, I'm, it's really, really surprising, honestly. Yeah. And I'm sure when we record next week on next week's show, we'll have some kind of new drama to talk about too. But like you said, I completely forgot about the Bobby fish CM punk stuff and they're kicking out after three and who knows, maybe one day we'll have a resolution to the elite and CM punk story. And we'll be able to talk about that down the line. But yeah, I mean this, honestly, this kind of stuff is more interesting than what's going on in AEW. I mean, I watched it on delay last night as after I got home from my bowling league and it's just like, I'm like, okay, like, all right. MJF Yuta was okay. I didn't even watch Darby Allen, Jay Lethal, because like, Jay Lethal matches are nothing nowadays to me. And I say that watching him at an independent show four months ago and having him having a pretty good match, but on TV, nothing. And it's like they got their big Canada show next week, and I'm not even that excited for that. Not only that, but the setup last night looked really weird. It kind of made them look really amateurish but because uh, it seemed like it was in a small arena. Everything was kind of closed in and together, and it just didn't come off as like a – it didn't even come off as a big anniversary show. It just kind of felt like another episode of Dynamite. And I know they're still averaging over a million viewers and all that, but it's just – nothing we've said like nothing is clicking with them i mean they reportedly thought about were in an thought they had an agreement with bandito bandito said he hadn't signed and there were reports that triple h made an offer to bandito so who knows what's going on there but yeah it's just kind of a, a big mess right now in AEW. where again it seems like once again the momentum wwe wise is shif- shifting over to them uh obviously we'll preview extreme rules but some other stuff to talk about the there's a reshuffling in the announced teams in uh, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. So 
over on the uh, SmackDown side of things, you've got Michael Cole still being the voice of SmackDown, but Wade Barrett is moving up from NXT to SmackDown, replacing Corey Graves and probably Pat McAfee. Um, I like Wade Barrett on commentary. I know some people don't like him, but I kind of liked him and from what I've, the parts I've seen of NXT. Um, so that is where we're going there. Uh, so NXT is going to be... Vic Joseph still with Booker T on commentary, and I've never liked Booker T on commentary, so that is not something to look forward to. And on Raw, Jimmy Smith is being replaced by Kevin Patrick, and Corey Graves is sticking over there. We also get Kathy Kelly back as an interviewer, too, which I think is a big plus. I thought her, I think her, Renee Young, and Kayla Braxton are, you know, three of their best interviewers they've had over the last few years because they actually show some kind of personality and some kind of, you know, interaction when they interact with the wrestlers. I mean, who can forget that famous backstage Kathy Kelly Iconics interview where uh, Billy Kay starts yelling at her about going to journalism for what questions she asks. It's hilarious. And I think Kelly, Kathy Kelly being back has something to do with the fact that there's no Vince or John Laurinaitis anymore because if you follow her on Twitter, you kind of knew when that happened. She was posting very happy stuff about change in the WWE, so you you wonder what went on there. Uh, so, uh, Cam, you got any thoughts on these announcing changes here going on? No, I mean, Triple H is just, you know, moving things around and bringing back Kathy Kelly's thing is a good idea. I think she was a really good interviewer. Her and Renee Young for a while there were really made like the – Usually, like, the backstage segments were kind of boring and, like, who really cares, you know? But they made them seem important and they mattered. I think WWE's starting to do that a little bit more now, too, where they're making these backstage segments mean something and lead to something for the show and things like that. That um, Triple H is just continuing to put a little bit of twists here and there. And I think that, you know, Wade Barrett getting the bump up, I like him. I think he does a good job. I mean, they need... I mean, I, I kind of like the way they've been doing things with the commentary, and it's new, it's fresh blood, it's different. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I th- anything that's positive for WWE is good right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it was on Smack, was it? Yeah, I think it was SmackDown because it was Cole two weeks ago bringing up PWG in, a, I think it was a Ricochet match. I just went, holy shit, you know things are different if Michael Cole is bringing up PWG and talking about that. Um yeah, I mean, it's it, Booker T is the big downgrade there, but I good thing is it's Halloween season, so I don't watch much of NXT anyway because I'm watching horror movies. But I, I didn't mind Jimmy Smith on Raw. I thought, like, he was basically inoffensive where he didn't do anything that made me want to hate him, but at the same time he didn't do anything that made me want to stay, like, that he stand out. He stood out. So, I mean, I'm indifferent there. It is what it is. I don't even think I've ever heard Kevin Patrick do commentary before, so we'll see how he does. Uh, what are your thoughts, Chairman? Yeah, Wade Barrett, I think, will be great for SmackDown. I, I'm a big fan of his, you know, in the ring. I thought he did some good stuff in NXT, too. I'll be interesting to see kind of how things with commentary go when Imperium and the Brawling Brutes are around, because obviously there's some history probably with all those boys and Drew McIntyre, you know. So, you kind of, you know, there's a lot of people that are hoping that Wade gets in the ring one more time. You know, maybe it happens, maybe not, but, you know. It'll be interesting to see what happens when uh, Pat McAfee returns from his hiatus that they do a three-man, because it looks like everything's two-man now. So uh, we'll see what happens. You know, Kathy Kelly coming back is awesome. I'm a big fan of hers when she was there. Byron Saxon getting moved off commentary to a backstage interviewer is kind of an interesting move, but I think he fits perfectly as a backstage interviewer where wrestlers will pick on him, like people like KO especially. So 
you know, like, you know, the old coach used to get bullied back in the day, and so did Michael Cole. So I think it's a good spot for Saxton. Um, Jimmy Smith, I agree with you. He was just kind of there. I didn't hate him, but he doesn't have, like, anything to make him stand out. Um, now if we could just get Corey Graves away and put him in NXT where I don't watch and here, I'd be okay with that because that dude is annoying. He is the JBL of this era, the freaking cringe of cringe. Um, and Booker T on commentary, I feel sorry for anyone because his takes, takes on Twitter, that dude just needs to shut the fuck up. Corey needs to get uh, Carmella pregnant and then become a stay-at-home dad and let Carmella come back and wrestle, and then that would be fine. That's how we get Corey Graves off TV. I mean, I mean, it probably won't happen considering I think he's already got, like, what, three kids already from his first marriage, so I doubt he would do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see. What, like I said, it's an interesting change. It's a shake-up with the season premieres of SmackDown and Raw coming up. We're getting the Bloodline Roman Reigns on Raw this coming Monday, which we haven't gotten, I think, since the MSG show in maybe August. So you got Roman over there. Um, so that's good. Uh, so what else do we got going on? I'm trying to think, um, do we, yeah, I think we talked about Sami Zayn being the honorary Oost cause that was two weeks ago. So I'm pretty sure we ended up talking about that. Uh, so, you know, I look with yeah, we definitely talked about that and looking forward to what's going on there. So we've got, uh, those changes going on. We've got Gunther versus Sheamus tomorrow on SmackDown, which I think should be good. Uh, rumors that Legato, Legato del Fantasmo is coming up to uh, SmackDown maybe this week. So I think that's going to be a positive for them. You know, they were written off of NXT. Uh, I think the group together as a whole works well. And maybe we get Andrade over there, like we said, at some point. But we are here to preview on this part of the show Extreme Rules taking place, like I said, this coming Saturday. Six matches all together at the moment, but I think six matches, I mean, we'll get obviously get into each of them individually, but six matches that I think have been built really well and I think all have the chance to be um, pretty good. I'm definitely, excuse me, I'm definitely looking forward to this show this Saturday. Uh, before we get into the whole thing, Cam, what are your thoughts on this card coming up? I mean, we talked about it. I think we touched on it a little bit on it last week. And I think that it's going to be, you know, the end of a couple of stories and hopefully then some new beginnings as we find out possibly if Bray Wyatt's going to show up. Um, but I think that we're we're into the Triple H era now, you know, so I think that the, the show is going to be good. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that we'll see hopefully the end of Ronda Rousey for a while. Um, you know, there's usually when we have these B pay-per-views, we're, we're usually looking forward to maybe one or two matches. I mean, I can make an argument for, you know, Edge and Finn Balor, I think is going to be good. Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins is going to be good. I mean, I think that, you know, that without having Roman Reigns defend either of the titles, that it's a pretty solid card as we head into Survivor Series, which means we're all going to be on the road to WrestleMania once again. And what do you think, Chairman? Yeah, I mean, the product's been pretty good lately in WWE since the regime has changed hands, of course. You know, it's like you touched on the top of the show, Justin. You know, all these matches have a special, unique stipulation. So that's what makes Extreme Rules what it's all about. Whereas, you know, the old regime is you would have one Extreme Rules match and then a whole bunch of just standard regular matches. So I think, you know, they're utilizing the stipulation of the pay-per-view, which is the way it should be. I know if you're going to have a you know event like this, Extreme Rules, then you need to have a card full of matches where they have a theme. So kudos to Triple H for or whoever you know put this all together. 
Um, probably the first Extreme Rules pay-per-view I'm probably going to watch in the first time in several years now, because I know I've skipped a few, especially the horror show, because, my goodness, that was such a terrible gimmick chase line. But, uh, yeah, I mean, some of these matches are kind of rematchy. You kind of seen it before. And some of these feuds, you know, I'm kind of hoping this kind of wraps them up, because some of these are kind of dragging out. Like, there's only so much Judgment Day, Finn Balor, and Damage Control, and Bianca and Friends I could take. They're kind of clogged up the raw a little too much so i'm kind of hoping this is kind of the definite ending point for a lot of these stories so fingers crossed on that so uh yeah it should be a good, such a good show i'm hoping all right yeah let's get into the six match card here uh if you're interested in how our predictions are going for the year right now chairman and i are tied at 68 and 38 and cam is at 63 and 43 so we still got i think about four or five shows left for the year to preview so let's uh let's see if we can make this and one of us can break away so we've got the Brawling Brutes, Sheamus, Rich Holland, and Butch against Imperium, Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vinci in a good old-fashioned Donnybrook match, which I'm assuming is just another way to say, like, you know, a no-DQ uh, bar fight. So we've got Sheamus and Imperium fighting for uh, the Intercontinental title this coming Friday on SmackDown. So if that's anything like their Clash of the Castle match, it's going to be great. So I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, I'm sure this match will be a fun brawl uh, going on, going back and forth. I expect Gunther to retain the Intercontinental title on SmackDown, so I'm going to go ahead and give the Brawling Brutes the win here. Uh, give them a W, let them have a little bit of, like, you know, shine from this feud. Uh, again, this is something else, despite how awesome Gunther and Sheamus has been, another feud that should probably end um, after this show. They, you know, let Gunther move on to other opponents with the IC title, uh, let Sheamus move on to something else, uh, you know, Credit Sheamus for being around. He's been around for so long. This guy's out there still going out there having great matches, you know, left and right with some people. So uh, credit to them for that. But I'm picking the Brawling Brutes to win this one. Uh, who do you got, Chairman? Kind of a tough match to pick, and it's almost like kind of depends on what the Intercontinental match does. You would think that might sway the other direction. But I'm going to go with Imperium here just because I think Gunther's been – protected and sure obviously one of the other two in imperium could take the pin and lose here but i think they want to keep gunther dominant so gunther by association i think will give them the win so i'm gonna give him the win i don't know what the hell a donnie brook match is but we'll watch it there Oh, I'm going to say, on the Wikipedia page, there is a link, but it literally just takes you to no disqualification, no holds barred match, and it literally has a good old-fashioned Donnybrook match listed under as long as well as a Ravens rules match. Um, who do you got, Cam? Um, I mean, I think that at some point Gunther's going to get a big push, and maybe it'll be 2023. I could really see him winning the Royal Rumble. Um, but I think that they're going to win here. I mean... Maybe you'll see some more tension between Butch and Sheamus and hopefully leads to Butch going back to Pete Dunne. Like, I don't know why Triple H hasn't done that yet. Um, go to Pete Dunne. Go back to Pete Dunne. Let him get a little solo run. I think that there's still a lot of let, um, life left in, in Pete Dunne in his solo career. But, yeah, I think the Brawling Brutes win here. Or, excuse me, um, Imperium win here. And I think that, I mean, I guess I'm calling it now that Gunther's winning the 2023 Rumble. All right, there's Cam calling his first shot of 2023. Um, so let's go over to Edge, Finn Balor, I quit match. Um, like Chairman said, I 100% agree with them. This has got to end. Edge and Rey Mysterio have been feuding with, you know, Judgment Day forever. 
Um, you know, the Dominic Ray story is still going on. It's probably going to eventually lead to a match at some point, but it just, it needs to end. I mean, I guess maybe, I don't even think you could get a War Games match out of this because it's literally just been Edge and Ray. So who the hell knows? Um, I'll throw it over to you, Chairman, first. Who do you got in this one? Um, yeah, this is probably the least interested match I have on the whole show because we've seen way too much of this stuff. And I tweeted jokingly the other night, like, are they going to try to drag Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio's singles match to WrestleMania? Because I don't think we can last that fucking long. Like, I feel like you're almost going to have to do that. You know, someone said Crown Jewel, which is coming up, which they might. But I feel like they're going to push it longer than that. But, you know, Survivor Series or Royal Rumble. But I don't know. I think they're going to try to push it to Mania, unfortunately. I know I'm being a little somewhat off topic here of that conversation. But at the same time. They're all kind of intertwined here. Um, as far as the match at hand here, I feel like Finn has to win. I mean, Edge is obviously on his last run, per se. And he might not even quit. Beth Phoenix might run in there and throw in a white flag towel or something. Uh, or he might just pass out and the ref will be like, no response, because I can't see any of these guys willingly say I quit. So it's probably be one of them non-responsible deals. I just say strength by numbers. You know, you got Damian Priest, Rhea Ripley, all there. So... And I don't know what the deal with Rhea Ripley is. I hope she gets back in the ring soon. I mean, I mean, she's obviously injured. She, you know, doing a great job as a, you know, on screen with Dominic. But I miss her in the ring. She's one of my favorite women wrestlers in WWE, if not all wrestling. So hope she gets back in there soon. But uh, yeah, Finn Balor for the win here. All right, who do you got, Cam? Yeah, I said last week that you know Judgment Day is the you know, main faction, I guess, if you want to call them that on Raw, you know, like they need, I know they're mid-card heel jobbers or whatever you want to call them. Um, but at some point, I think they need these wins just so that their stable matters. I mean, Damian Priest is a good talent, a good gimmick, is a good wrestler. Finn Balor, first ever Universal Champion. Rhea Ripley at any time could be a world champion in WWE. So I really wish they wouldn't be stuck in a certain pattern where it's like, Vince-esque, where it's like, I know everyone needs to play a role on the show, but Edge has announced in Canada a few weeks ago that he's retiring, so, like, him getting a win here doesn't mean shit, you know, even if he wasn't retiring, he's Edge. Finn Balor, you can bump him back up, have him beat, you know, Ray eventually, or Ray, you know, you talked about, they'll probably do Ray and Dominic. I mean, are they going to hold it off till WrestleMania? I mean, I don't know if they're really, if they can hold it off that long. To where it's maybe Ray's last match and he wrestles his son and puts his son over and blah, blah, blah. Who knows? Um, I don't know if they can hold it off like six more months, but we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I think Finn Balor needs a win here. I said it last week. If Judgment Day wants to get any sort of credit, um, they screwed this all up anyways. Edge should have never left the group. Vince is stupid. and He could have elevated them, but who knows? That's, that's neither here nor there now. But yeah, I'm going with Finn Balor. Yeah, I'm going to make it a trifecta and go with Finn, too. I kind of liked Chairman's theory that he threw out there that, you know, maybe Beth Phoenix is around and, you know, either Rhea does something to Beth Phoenix that makes Edge quit or, like you said, Edge, you know, passes out in some, in some hold and, you know, Beth throws in the towel for him and that's how you get around that kind of like, you know... Um, you know, obviously not to the same magnitude, but like, you know, how Steve Austin didn't submit in the sharpshooter at WrestleMania 13. So that's how you can kind of get around this stipulation here by not having Edge say I quit. But yeah, if, if 
reports are to be believed that Finn's got a big uh, plans in line for him. But I think, obviously, Finn needs to win here, so I'll go with him as well. Uh, let's go over to the strap match between Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross. And, boy, it's just amazing how different, you know, one person. I think if anybody's been helped the most compared to when Vince was in charge, when... Uh, and how Triple H is in charge, it's Karrion Cross. I mean, you could probably make an argument for Kevin Owens too, but, I mean, Karrion Cross has looked so much better with Triple H in charge, you know, not coming out wearing a stupid gladiator look or a helmet or a mask or whatever the fuck it was that he was wearing, and just coming out here beating up Drew McIntyre every week, you know, and he actually has Scarlet with him to kind of add to the act and go out there and distract people so he can beat people up, and it's just... He looks like such more. He, I think he looks like more of a badass than he did honestly in NXT with the whole like he's got hair now. You know the leather jacket that he's wearing. It, it's just an all-around good uh, look for Karrion Cross. And like I said, it's either him or KO that's gotten the best of Triple H being in charge compared to Vince. Uh, I'll go over to you, Cam. Here first, who do you got? I mean, I'm interested to see what's going to happen in this match, I think this is the one of the ones where it's like, okay, um, who's going to maybe propel themselves back up to the main event picture. Um, I'm still in complete shock that Roman didn't drop one of the belts to, to drew when they were overseas a a month or so ago. Um, I mean, I assume Karrion Cross is going to win this match just because he's back. He's fresh. You want to elevate him up the card. Uh, and Drew goes down a little bit, but I think it's going to be a hell of a match. I think they're going to beat the living crap out of each other, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm going to pick Cross here, too. Um, I think it's one of those things where, like you said, he's he's new, he's back, he needs a win. Um, I don't even think he's wrestled yet off the top of my head. I can't remember him being in any matches. I may be wrong, but... You know, Drew's a guy that, you know, him losing isn't really going to affect anything for him, whereas Cross getting a win over Drew is going to be better for him. So, yeah, I think these guys are going to have to, I agree with you, Cam. These guys are going to beat the crap out of each other with the strap and go from there. But I think Cross needs to win, and I'm going to pick him. Uh, Who do you got, Chairman? Yeah, I'm going to go with Karrion Cross as well. I just um, think, you know, his first big match back on a pay-per-view and you know drew obviously a lot of things it hurt drew whereas Karrion cross gets beat then it's kind of like okay you get this big presentation this big return these vignettes it's all for nothing all that white rabbit stuff might actually play a factor here possibly you know rumors you know whatever you want to believe that white rabbit because obviously I'm just trying to think where else that could place into this card here and I feel like this would be the spot because drew's a big enough act and obviously, he's not going to be going after Roman anytime soon. So, if a Ray Wyatt returns, you know, this might be the spot. So, Karrion Cross is my pick. All right, let's go over to the fight pit match with Matt Riddle against Seth Rollins with Daniel Cormier as special guest referee. Um, again, I'm glad this is a match that they kind of built to something like this, where it seems like it's, you know, an actual fight rather than, you know, just a, another stipulation. I think this match could have been a Hell in a Cell match, too, if you really wanted to get there, but I don't think they probably wanted to bring out Hell in a Cell again after having it earlier this year right yeah obviously duh with Seth and Cody uh so they probably didn't want to go back to a Hell in a Cell gimmick right away but this is this is again a feud that I think kind of needs to end 
I mean, I don't know. Nobody really knows when Randy Orton's due back from injury. So, you know, RK Bro is still sitting there waiting to happen. Um, but I think I'm going to go ahead and pick Riddle to win this match here. Um, I think he needs to win a little bit more than Seth. It'll be interesting to see what happens when Roman Reigns on Raw this coming Monday, where you got guys like Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens who have been calling him out and have been wanting a match for a while now with Roman Reigns. So maybe Rollins plays into that, something like that here. But I think Riddle ends up getting this win here in the fight pit match. So I'm going to go ahead and pick him. Uh, I will throw it over to you, Chairman. Who do you got? I don't care. Seth Rollins won at SummerSlam. I'm not picking him because he does not win the premier live event matches. It's not the year for him. Um, I'm picking Riddle because this is his style of match. Rollins pretty much got baited into it. Um, I'm loving the feud. I'm loving the promos. I think they're just getting personal. It's fun. Uh, Plus, I think Riddle will win because with the other show coming up before Survivor Series, I'm sure they're going to have their final match there because you know how it goes you know best of three so and i know seth got swept in his cody series at least he's got one win here but i'm going riddle all right cam what do you got i mean this is a toss-up for me i mean i i see riddle winning to even things up and then do a third match coming up either at the the show we don't talk about or possibly survivor series we'll see um but i think that this has gotten personal because these guys don't like each other flat out. And one, I think, or two, I think that this is a premier feud that's going on right now because, well, Roman's not on the shows all the time. And these guys could easily be elevated up to um, the next level. And that's the thing about Roman needing to drop these titles. You guys, you got all these guys that are ready to get elevated up again, especially under Triple H's reign. So you got to get, you have to get um, the belts off Roman at some point and put one on Riddle, put one on Seth Rollins. But yeah, I'll go with Riddle here just because I know they'll probably do a third match. And I mean, who knows? Maybe Bray Wyatt shows up in this one. I mean, I think if he's going to show up, if Kieran Cross and Drew McIntyre end up headlining, I think that then we're definitely going to get Bray Wyatt. But I could also see it here too because he has history with, with Seth Rollins and him and Riddle could be fun too. Hey, I forgot to touch on something real quick. Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley for the U.S. title on Raw, right, for the season premiere. So maybe Seth finally wins a title. Hey, lose out the pay-per-view and win the title on Raw the next night. Hey, why the hell not? And the match is already – and I wouldn't have a problem with that because this match was booked before Riddle uh, – or this match is, you know, you know, it doesn't affect the Riddle match. So it's not like it was something where he's getting a match after the loss where it was, like, disturbing beforehand. Um all right, let's go to the Raw Women's Championship ladder match. We've got Bianca Belair defending against Bailey, as I said, I believe, last week or two weeks ago when I brought it up. I, to the best of my knowledge, I haven't found anything else since. The first ever one-on-one women's ladder match. Though apparently, you know, Asuka and Alexa Bliss and then Io and Dakota Kai will be at ringside. So I'm sure they'll end up getting involved. But again, you know, Bailey's group damage control has been a hit so far. They've been doing really well. And they've got some momentum here with Dakota and EO as tag champs. So I'll go to you, Chairman, first. Who do you got? So we're finally getting to the big match that we've been waiting for since Bailey's returned, a championship match in a ladder match. And it's very cool to find out that this is the first one-on-one women's championship match in a ladder match. That's cool. You know, good for these two girls. I think they deserve it. Um, I 
think you have to give it to Bailey here because it's just the nature of the beast of being the heel faction. You know, they got the tag titles now because if they fail, then they're just going to delay the inevitable anyway. I think Bailey's just needs to get the title. I think that she has proven to be able to carry herself and put interest into this group. She, you know, she's a great mouthpiece. She's a great performer, you know, and Bianca's been great as well. I mean, I got no problem with Bianca retained because she's keeping the title reign interesting by, any, by all means. I mean, yeah, it's getting a little repetitive, you know, seeing these guys, you know, facing each other constantly left and right too. But um, Bianca and Bailey one-on-one in a ladder match, that's huge. Plus, you know, Bailey obviously pinned Bianca at the pay-per-view, Clash of the Castle, the Celeste streaks out the window, I think, but now it's a title match, so there's a way to get back there. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, interesting questions with the women's division, you know, with all the horse women, because, like, when's Charlotte coming back? When's Sasha, if she's coming back? And, you know, Becky's obviously out for a while, too. So, um, yeah, this should be big if Bailey wins. This will be real big. Um, I've totally had more to add to this. I'm totally blanking out right now. Oh, yes, I remember now. So I saw um, Bailey, obviously, her promo there on Raw was really good. And she was talking about, you know, she's not the person anymore, you know, with NXT when she had the freaking floaty floats and the headband swirly things, you know. And Izzy was all butthurt about it. And then, um, uh, Vincent Dorado was all like, "Where's your dad at?" Because like that whole Twitter beef was hilarious. But uh, yeah, good good times, good times. Go Bailey. So you're picking Bailey to win here, right? Bailey is going to win. Okay, uh, who do you got, Cam? I mean, I agree with pretty much everything Chairman said. I mean, I feel like. Bianca's done a great job as the champion. I feel like she's elevated herself, but let's just have a change. Let's freshen things up. Uh, Damage control has done well. You know, I think that them all having belts, I think, legitimizes them even further. What I talked about with Judgment Day, give someone in that fucking stable a belt for the love of God. Um, Even if it's Dominic at this point, just give someone a belt. (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, Bailey is the veteran. I think she can win the match. You could do a rematch down the line. And then once, you know, Becky Lynch is ready to go, which should be any day now, you know, a couple, couple more weeks or something like that. You could do Bailey, Becky Lynch. Um, you got Candice LeRae back now. You could do Candice LeRae and Bailey, which would be really fun. Um, but yeah, I think that damage control has done a good job ever since they, them debuting as a group. And I think it's time for Bailey to be rewarded when she's often been, you know, overlooked. Yeah, I'm going to make it a trifecta again here. Uh, it's one of those things, like you said, it, it you know, she's been good. It adds a different kind of take to the Raw Women's Division. Absolutely nothing against Bianca Belair. But, you know, a fresh person on top with the title and it being a heel opens up a bunch of different matchups. Um, you know, you can have Asuka going after the title. You could have Alexa Bliss going after the title. Um, like you said, Candice LeRae is out there, too. Uh, who knows, you know, what other call-ups or anything like that are going to be coming up at any time in the near future. But I think Bailey definitely changes things up, makes Bianca the chaser again, which is fine with me, too. So I'm going to go ahead and make it a, a clean sweep and say Bailey wins here. So that leads us to our last match, Extreme Rules match for the SmackDown Women's title, Liv Morgan, Ronda Rousey. 
Um, you know, they've been trying to make Liv more of like a hardcore badass in the build up to this match. Um, somewhat's been kind of working. Uh, so, you know, I know Liz, I guess, has kind of been getting some mixed reactions, and it doesn't help that she's been being booked how she had been since winning the title as, like, the underdog who's barely winning or is lucky to win. Um, so she, you know, they've been trying to rehab her here a little bit, but I don't know if it's been working as well as they have, and the crowd's starting to cheer for Ronda Rousey again. Um, I will throw it to you, Cam, first here. Who do you got? Well, I mean, I, I feel like, there's a lot of people who who like Ronda Rousey see her legitimately as a star, which she is, you know, and she has gone down a peg or two, but they have done a good job of making Liv Morgan more legit. Um, I mean, I'd be surprised if they go back to Ronda as the champion. I'd be, yeah, a little bit surprised here. I think Ronda maybe goes away for you know a couple months, goes away, comes back for the Rumble or something along those lines for the Rum- women's Rumble match, and you know let Liv continue her reign. Um, I think you need to get some different challengers for her. I think the SmackDown women's roster is a little weak, but uh, maybe they'll get Charlotte back at some point. Who knows? Maybe at some point we'll get Charlotte and Andrade in some sort of stable um, little, little duo in on SmackDown. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Liv, too, here. Uh, I think something to watch out for is Shayna Baszler and her involvement. I know that, I think, I forgot what Ronda said to her a couple weeks ago, but she said something to Shayna, and it looked like it pissed Shayna off. So I could see a scenario where maybe Shayna is pissed off at Ronda, and she helps Liv win, and then you can go to Shayna Ronda and then keep the title away from Ronda. It's one way to get out of it, but... I'm going to go ahead and pick Liv to win this match here. I think losing again, like you said, to Ronda doesn't really help her. And at the same time, I don't think Ronda's going to be around. Uh, maybe she'll take her another break again. That's why I think you got to keep the title on Liv. Uh, who do you got, Chairman? I'm picking Ronnie because I don't want it to happen. But if I pick it to happen, then it won't happen. It's reverse psychology because I hate Ronnie. So I'm picking Ronnie, even though I don't want her to. Even though I don't think Liv's championship run has been booked very well, she's been kind of just, I don't know, it's just weird. She just seems kind of like a weak champion. I think she's like one of some of those people, like, they booked her well in the chase and people got behind her for the chase, but now that she has the title, it's almost like some of the fans are turning on her. But I think a part of that is just because her booking has been really weird and the match has been really weird. I don't know. And I feel like she hasn't been featured as much as she could be. So, I mean, obviously you see on Raw how heavily Bianca's featured and looks like a strong champion. I don't, I don't get that vibe of Liv. So, Ronnie for the win, I guess. All right. Uh, so, I have two questions left before we uh, finish up here. You guys have both kind of already answered the first question, but I'll ask both of them at the same time. So, the first question being, is Bray Wyatt going to show up? And if he does, where does he show up, being number one? And the second question being, what match do you guys think main events to show? I'll ask you, Cam, those questions first. I mean, all signs say that he might come back. I mean, I have a feeling they might want to hold off for SummerSlam since it's a big four, big five pay-per-view. Uh, SummerSlam is like the, you know, Halloween Survivor Series, time. right? Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like the fall season pay-per-view, you know, historically. So I can see Bray Wyatt coming back for like the spooky time of the year, if you will. Um, but I could also see, I think if Drew and Kieran Cross end up headlining, I think it's headlining strictly for, for Bray Wyatt to come back and to beat them both up. And, you know, we'll see what's going to happen after that. All right, Chairman, same two questions. 
Yeah, I mean, since I kind of went there with the prediction show part of it, I mean, I'll say that he comes back for McIntyre Cross. I think he shoots with McIntyre. Uh, as far as the main event, um, I mean, yeah, that would be the spot for that if, you know, obviously that happens there. But I could also see the ladder match main eventing as well, especially since I'm thinking title change. Um, <clears throat> I really don't think any other match. I mean, it's either going to be Drew, Karrion Cross, or Bianca and Bailey main event. I mean, I'm probably going to tilt towards the ladder match. I think that's just, just the biggest match for a championship on the card. Um, and you know what? Uh, for the opener, we'll go with the Extreme Rules match between the other two women. So, yeah, cool beans. See, that's funny. I thought because I think Liv and Ronda's been getting the most hype, and I think they're on the promotional poster, that I thought that match might be an event, especially as, you know, Ronda probably be considered the quote-unquote biggest star there. So I kind of think that one actually might end up main eventing. Um, as far as the Bray Wyatt stuff goes, I mean, hell, I could see it happening during, you know, you want to end Judgment Day versus Edge? Have them come out and take out Edge after the match, and then you can do an Edge-Bray Wyatt feud if you want, where you can have Bray carry the promos for a few weeks to give Edge some time off, and then that's your match right there. So I think he's going to come back. I don't think they can keep pushing it back and pushing it back. I think at some point you just got to pull the trigger and have it happen, so I think it's finally going to happen on this show. Um, and that is our show for this week. And we'll be back next week to recap everything that happened on Extreme Rules. And as I said earlier, probably talk about some new backstage drama in AEW. So for my co-host Cam and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, I am Justin C. signing off. And we will talk to you guys next week.